What is up, futurists? Here with another episode of the Our Future podcast, the first we've ever done on a Thursday, shouting out the incredibly brave firefighters in the state of California once again, and reminding you guys to subscribe to the Business Podcast for Young People wherever you are listening today. My next guest is Kevin O'Connor. He practically invented the online ads industry when he co-founded DoubleClick in 1995, which later sold to Google for $3.1 billion. He also founded Graphic, a search engine which sold to Amazon in 2017, and that technology became the brain of Amazon Alexa. Kevin is currently managing partner at SEOP Venture Partners. He's eyeing his next billion dollar opportunity. He shared some awesome business wisdom in our conversation. Hope you guys enjoy. One way I like to start off my interviews is when you are my age, 20 years old, you're a junior in college, you're at Michigan as well. Did you envision yourself being an entrepreneur? No, I don't think we even had the word entrepreneur. I didn't, I didn't know what it was. So I envisioned myself being uh, from the Detroit area. I was going to go get my PhD. Um, like that was in, it was a PhD program from exactly one or six hours at Michigan. And it was probably maybe senior year, you know, like Steve Jobs and, and Bill Gates had all dropped out of college and were building these incredible companies. And, and uh, I, had, I had some experience working at IBM as an intern. And I was, you know, the world's, for, you know, one of the, one of the top experts on the IBM PC because I, I happened to, happened to just luck into a job where I got to, uh, uh, write software for the PC, you know, and, and I was just, that was, that was sold, sold on, on, you know, trying to do a company. You knew tech was the future. Like you knew digital tech was the future. Look, I hated computers in, in Michigan. And we used to do punch cards and they just yeah. stand in line and you would do your you know, results back. And I bowed, like I would never, I'm a lunch guy. I was like, I'll never do, do computers. At Michigan State, uh, places, uh, and, and I got the Atari 400. Started programming Atari. I was like, "Oh man, this mini computers, sweet! You can get instant feedback." And it was, you know, this this is the wave of the of the computer. The internet didn't come along till so. I, my first company was '83. When I graduated, my last semester of senior year, I started so you, started a company. I see. And, then, uh, and you started that in college. Yeah, and the wow. internet didn't come along till '90. Five. And you've always loved to code, but when did the business education come along? When did that start to become a present theme in your everyday life? You know, I was, I was a, uh, uh, an executive in our first company. I was like VP of research, but I really was a coder, but I still had sort of, you know, board experience and, you know, strategy experiment uh, experience. Uh, but I was a jerk of a manager. I was a terrible manager. I was an asshole. And, and, uh, <laughs> Uh, it wasn't until I started coaching at Cincinnati Muller High School. I started coaching wrestling probably when I was 20, 26, I think I started. And, and so I just, you know, I, I just learned how, I, I call that my MBA. You know, it was really more about how do you, how do you somebody to be the best they can be? You know, how, do you, how do you inspire somebody to be a state champion? Actual business, you know, I always, I always say electrical engineering, you can do a discrete for your transform. transform um, you can, you can do business. I mean, business isn't that hard. Hardest part about business is solving a huge problem. You know, once you, you know, that's the hard part. It's a really hard part. Then you got to build it. Then you got to market it. You know, marketing is, you know, you, you got to know the basics. And then you got to be smart to know to hire someone that you know, knows that stuff a lot better than you did. 
And when, when you found a double click in the late nineties, was it a problem or an opportunity? I mean, we were convinced that the internet was going to transform the world. I mean, having, having the world's information, any place, anywhere, you know, democratized where anyone could have it. I mean, that, that's a, that's a big idea. Uh, there weren't many people on the internet. I'm good at anything is recognizing an early technology. Um, you know, nine and nine out of a hundred technologies are fads. Like they don't go anywhere. People get kind of a mute, you know, but, but trying to figure out the PC or the network or internet uh, is going to be big uh, early on. Now, I wasn't the first guy on the internet by any, by any stretch, but I was early on enough to, uh, to realize that this is not a fad. This is not going to go away. And what was the tech play? Was it placing ads on websites? Was it designing the ads? Was it ex like executing the auctions? What was it? So we figured that the internet, we thought at the time there'd be a thousand websites. So it was going to be a highly fragmented market and it's going to be really specialized audiences and that, you know, for, to be successful in advertising, I didn't know anything about advertising, by the way, nothing about advertising, direct response, went out, bought a couple books, read about it. And like, wow, you know, this, this stuff's not that, it's complicated because in offline, it's very probabilistic and very you know, inexact. But online, we're like, yeah, we can do, we can do all this theoretical stuff. We can do it very exact. We can control reach, we can control frequency, we can target, we can do all that. So we said, well, we need those. We need this like massive audience across, scattered across the internet network, a network of websites using technology to very specifically target ads. So rather than buying, you know, sort of a broadcast ad, you you would be able to sort of very, uh, uh, you know, micro-target people. So you actually you you stepped down as CEO of DoubleClick pretty early there, but Kevin Kevin Ryan took up CEO. But then the dot com burst happened, and I'm kind of seeing it in the same vein as COVID, right? Like this economic crisis, this this revolution. What are your thoughts on how like a company should go, like how, how can it protect against devastation in a crisis? Cause double click survived it. Well, there, there's, there's two ways to sort of, sort of, you know, avoid getting crushed or maybe three ways, but the first one, you got to produce a product that people actually, you know, need. So a lot of the dot com crash was, was fake. Um, you know, there were fake companies, there was money being floated around. I mean, they just didn't really solve any, any, real, any real, real tangible problem. Uh, the second one is, is entrepreneurs tend to get greedy. They, they, they tend to obsess about dilution. And so they don't raise enough money. You know, we were, we raised a secondary, we raised something like $400 million, you know, two months before the market melted down. Uh, we were one of the last companies to, to actually raise a bunch of money. So we were sitting with a, huge amount of cash uh, when the market uh, happened. And then third, uh, uh, people don't act quick enough. Like they don't, you know, something bad happens and we tend to minimize things. Uh, we tend to like wish it away, you know, and, and, and things usually are worse than you, than you think. So, you know, we took some pretty drastic actions and companies need to do that. You gotta take drastic action and you could be wrong, um, but it's a lot easier to hire people back than it is to, to have to cut even more people. Right. So, you know, the longer you go on with no business, you know, the more debt you pull on, the more cash you burn, uh, you know, the deeper the hole you dig. And then, and then at some point you can't get out. So 
uh, we reacted pretty aggressively, maybe overreacted, um, but you know, 70% of our customers went out of business. So rather yeah. over and, and stay alive. Like I always told people like our, our, my mantra was, <clears throat> you know, uh, we're in business to stay in business. My number one job as a CEO is don't run out of money. What do you think of these companies that are raising millions and millions of dollars to grow without that attention to profitability? Well, I think that strategy is dead. It's over. And it was a bad strategy. I mean, I think, you know, you, you, uh, you know, when companies get into a growth phase, growth phase means that you figured out, like you figured out your model, you, you made your mistakes, you fixed your mistakes. And now what you need is that, you know, I can, I can, replicate this model you know maybe it's in uh, uh europe or asia or uh, you know um, whatever it may be right so i can replicate this model and it can be very very predictable um i think i think a lot of company a lot of these some of these vcs something being one of them was you know there was an old thing back in the 90s get big fast like get big fast no matter what and uh, i was always hesitant that a double click People want us to expand internationally. And, and I was like, why do I want to replicate my problem, our problems all over the world? You know, I mean, I'd rather have it just here in the US where I understand it. Uh, we'll fix it first. So this whole get big fast is just dumb. And then entrepreneurs, um, yeah, I'll give you an example. I think it was Lime. Uh, Lime raised, I'm going to make up some of these numbers. I'm not sure, but let's say they raised $500 million uh, at a billion dollar valuation. I mean, imagine as an entrepreneur, you, you have to have a company that's worth over a billion dollars. Like getting a company worth over a billion dollars is really, really hard. Like really super small percentage of companies do that. So what happens when it goes under a billion? Um, you, you wipe out all the founders, you wipe out all the employees, you wipe everyone out. So too much money is actually as dangerous as too little money. So I think entrepreneurs make that mistake. I mean, look, it's hard to raise too much money because... And people get, but the bigger problem is people just get dumb. People confuse raising money with, with success. Yeah. Um, and it's not. So let's fast forward a bit. I mean, you also founded a uh, graphic. When did that light bulb go off on your head to, to create that company? And what was it? Well, I mean, I was doing venture capital. So I do venture capital in, in between yeah. startups and stuff. So that one was, uh, I became really enthralled with, well, part of it was at DoubleClick dealing with all the search engines and search engines were so successful. And then you had these vertical search engines like Travelocity and, and, uh, that we worked with. And we saw how, how, how profitable they were, how good they were, you know, and how necessary. So uh, that was always kind of in the back of my head. And then Kayak came along and I thought Kayak was brilliant. And I was like, okay, why, why, can't, why can't we do these highly specialized vertical search engines, take a common technology and just replicate it. We thought maybe there's a hundred things, whether it was like picking a ski resort or picking a dog or picking a college or picking a smartphone, but really just using the same tech, different data set and blow it up. So that was a concept. And I, you know, I kept thinking about it and nobody was doing it. Yeah. I really didn't want to do a company. Uh, I definitely did not want to do another company. Uh, and then it just it was bugging me. So you, you had to, you felt like you had to do it because nobody else was. Yes. And, and how would it work? Would it be you go to a website and you're able to compare all these different products and services? So 
that's a long, complicated story. So, you know, do you make one search, one site, or do you do these micro sites based on you know, education, finance? So we eventually end up doing these sites focused on, on a, you know, a broader vertical. So you go to education, it would help you find a high school or huh. a college or a medical school, um, or you go to a pet site, it would help you navigate, you know, a pet. So our whole belief was that, um, you, you take this data and, and you normalize it um, across a, a topic and then that allows people to compare things. Like maybe I'm looking for a hyperallergenic dog that is, you know, 40 to 50 pounds that lives, you know, 15 years um, and is good with kids and smart. So, you know, boom, I'd be able to, we had all that data and we'd better show you, okay, here's, here's, you know, here's the data. We have 30 million users a month. Tell me a bit about Amazon buying the company. Did zero interest in integrating that into their site. What we did, talk about a pivot. This was a, like a, a huge pivot. So we were building, I don't know if you've heard of a knowledge graph, but we yeah. were, unbeknownst to us, we were building the world's largest knowledge graph, right? So we knew everything about dogs. So, you know, for dogs, all the dogs, we had all the information about every dog. Um, you know, there was NBA players. We knew information about all NBA players, how it related to each other, you know, who scored the most, most points in you know, 1987, you know, whatever it may be. And so uh, at the time, all these, all these uh, 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 assistants were coming out, right? Siri, Google, uh, uh, Alexa, uh, and then Microsoft has, has one. At a hackathon, one of the engineers ripped out Alexa's brain and slapped our brain and into it. So you know, part of a knowledge graph is that you associate different words and you connect things together in a very sort of comprehensive way. And so he slapped, he slapped this thing in, it took like a day. And uh, uh, he filmed it, uh, Ivan Berkovich filmed, filmed it and sent the video to, to Jeff Bezos and, and some other people that we were talking with. A lot of people turned this down. Um, we had promised them that like our knowledge graph could be used to, to power these virtual assistants and they didn't believe it. They just didn't believe it. So this was kind of the proof we ripped out your, look, we ripped out your brain and we made it, we made it, we made Alexa. So, and now, but Google also has all that info too. They do. So Google, we talked, Google was close to buying us too. Um, they all kind of, they came to his realization. Who was trying to do this the AI way? Google was trying to scrape their way to it. They were scrape, you know, they were searching and scraping answers from us, you know, scraping answers from a lot of people. Uh, Apple thought they could do it through AI. And we said, you can't do it through AI. You got to do it the way we're doing it through, through this knowledge graph. And Amazon was very, Amazon took the approach. Look, AI works. Some of the cases, Sometimes you got to have humans answering it, and sometimes you got to have this knowledge. And if there's one thing about business that you'd want to tell your former self, like 25 years ago, that you hadn't learned yet, what would it be? You know, I never, I never look. I try to never look back. As you get older, that's so you try to do it more. <laughs> this is what I tell people. People ask me. I'll tell you what I tell people at, at work who always ask me like advice, how to get ahead. So the way I approach the world is not through like skills, like don't think about skills, think about solving interesting problems. And, you know, when you're young, you're going to be solving smaller problems, but making sure you, know, you find that problem and, 
and, and people love for you to solve problems, not create problems. So, you know, if there's a problem where you're working, solve it. Um, the uglier the problem, the, the less people want to like, it's, it's the more disgusting the problem is you should grab it. People love people that can solve problems. And so don't think about the skills. You, you learn the skills necessary to solve that problem. And as you move up, your problems become bigger and, and, and more encompassing, involve more people or outside the business and maybe it involves the government, you know, whatever it is. And then that's kind of the way I, I call that sort of nonlinear. Your generation tends to think of linear. I think most people do, but much more linear. So I'm going to go work for two years then I'm going to go back and get my MBA. And then I'm going to go, you know, it's boom, 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 boom. Look for big problems. Look for, you know, get yourself in a situation where, where opportunities, there's lots of opportunities that present themselves and seize that opportunity when it, when it happens. And look for nonlinear growth like that. You know, look for, for explosive um, opportunities. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Kevin O'Connor, serial entrepreneur and venture capitalist. Hope everyone is staying safe and healthy. To everyone out in the Bay Area, thinking of you guys, even though I escaped out here to Lake Tahoe, be with you guys again next week. Stay frosty.